Good morning, everyone. Um, hope everybody's in the right place. This is Using Bits to Transfer Ghost Images. Uh, I'm Tim Lamy with IT Academic Technology Services here at UC Davis. So I hope everybody's having a good conference so far. I hope everybody got some coffee in them so they're awake. So uh, I guess with that, just go ahead and get started. Um, here's an outline of what I'm going to try to cover this morning. Uh, basically, why, why I did this and why you might want to do it. A little bit of the background that led us to the solution. Um, then how we go about making our images here, and then a little bit into the details. So the second part will be a little bit more technical. Uh, the first part will be more overview and explaining why we did these various things. Um, if you, anybody has any questions anytime during the talk, just go ahead and wave at me. Because um, uh, some of the stuff might be a little not explained very well. So if you have a question, just feel free to raise your hand. Let me know. First off, why? Why did we do this here? And why should you, why you might want to do it in your university? Uh, first off, Ghost works very well for us for actually you know, taking an image and installing it on a computer. Uh, but we had real problems trying to use Ghost, the Ghost tools to send image files from one network to another network. The Ghost console didn't work very well. Trying to Ghost cast across a router doesn't work because of the multicasts don't get passed. So we had problems actually getting the image files from one network to another network. Actually, who here uses Ghost for their imaging? Has anybody seen the same issues trying to go between networks? Yeah, it's just sporadic at best. So we've, we found a solution using BITS, which is Background Intelligent Transfer Solution. It's part of uh, Windows. It's what Microsoft uses to send the Microsoft patches to your all the PCs in the world uh, every, every second Tuesday of the month. So it has a lot of experience sending big files to many computers in the background. Um, so the bits was really good for us because it enabled us to put all our images onto a single server so we didn't have to have a server in each network. It, it transfers the images reliably in the background. So while we're re-imaging computers effectively, they're still in use by the students. They're typing away, they're doing whatever, and the image is being transferred in the background without them noticing. The other nice thing is it makes it for a very short downtime since for our imaging process, the image is already on the PC on a second partition. Re-imaging only takes like 10 minutes of downtime for the computer. So it's really handy. Plus, everybody likes this. In this budget climate, it's free. It's already in Windows. So that's always nice. Um, I believe that the same solution will work with other imaging packages like Alteris or whatever. I haven't tried it because I haven't had to. But if your imaging package can have a, a DOS command line version of it, then the same solution should work. So I, this is a little bit of background. Um, here at UC Davis, we were, my unit is computer lab management. We have 18 computer rooms. There are 10 separate networks. So that's why we have to do a lot of imaging across various networks. Uh, about 330 PCs. Right now, we're maintaining 12 different images for all those various PCs, going from 5 to 10 gigabytes. So Whenever we re-image re the lab, we have to you know, send 10 gigabytes to you know, 30 computers on a different network. Um, we're not using deep freeze or anything like that. Basically, we just have our PCs locked down so students can't make changes. Um, so, but theoretically, if people use deep freeze, it still should work. You just have to make sure you, you do it at the thaw partition correctly. 
Um, back in the Windows 95, 98 ME days, we used PCR Disk. Who used PCR Disk in those days? Yep. It worked really well. You're able to copy down the changes. Um, it was really nice because you could make a change on one lab, copy those change files to another lab, and it would be applied automatically. So it was really handy. And life was good. But then uh, we went to Windows XP, and then we discovered that it didn't work with PC artists very well. Um, there were a couple issues. I mean, first off, since it was NTFS, you had to use Ghost for the initial install. Um, the profiles were handled differently, so there's a default user profile. It wasn't loaded in memory when you're trying to run PC artists, so you couldn't make changes to it. And there turned to be more and more issues, in, and with the permission issues, it just didn't work very well with PC artists. So we had to switch to Ghost, which is okay, because Ghost worked really well. It worked great in our testing. I was able to set up a console and push images back and forth, and everything was, everything was beautiful. But then I tried to use a, one Ghost console in our office to talk to the various labs. And sometimes it saw the computers in labs, sometimes it didn't. It was very sporadic. And then I was trying to do multicasting, and that didn't work well across the routers at all, or didn't work at all. So Ghost was working for the imaging, but it wasn't working talking across our routers. So uh, I talked about this a little bit. So um, yeah, so the Ghost tools just didn't work across the various networks. Um, so we, we had to think of a different way to handle it. And so then I realized that if you read the Ghost documentation, they talk about how they use virtual partitions. Um, so I figured, hey, if they use a virtual one, we might as well use a real one. So what we did is we created a second partition on all our hard drives uh, with FreeDOS. Um, so basically, we said it was originally four gigabytes because this was, you know, five years ago now. So stuff was smaller then. And uh, now it's 40 gigabytes. So basically, on the FreeDOS partition, it has Ghost, you know, GDisk, Ghost Walker, all the Ghost tools, and it has the image files for that PC. And the second partition has the Windows XP set up and, and it uses the rest of the disk. So once you have two partitions, then you can use PC Artist to copy down the image files from a server to the FreeDOS partition. So we set it up so that at shutdown, PC Artist would copy down the image file from this. We had a server in the lab, so we put the image file there. It would copy it down to the FreeDOS partition, and then the server the computer would know to boot to the FreeDOS partition and re-image itself. And this worked really well. Um, it was really fast because since you're part imaging from one partition to another partition. The image only took like 10 minutes, so it's really fast. It was really simple for me to install a new image because I just put it up on the file server, and then when the machine shut down, they all got the new image and restored themselves. So that was handy. I could do that remotely from my office. I just move image files around, and they all, they all get it. So it was really good, except PC artists worked well if you did one computer at a time because it would copy down the image file, you know, five gigabytes. It would take a little bit of time, but it wasn't horrendous. But when our, we went through and you turned off all the computers, they all started trying to copy the files down. And so, you know, 30 computers trying to copy five gigabytes down at the same time, it took a long time. So if you saw a new image file and for some reason people turn off a bunch of computers in the middle of the day, those computers would be out of service for a while while they copied down the new image file. So it worked, but it wasn't ideal. So that's when we discovered BITS, the uh, Background Intelligent Transfer Service, which I mentioned already. Uh, 
so bits is built into Windows XP. It's built in all versions of Windows. Like I said, it's used for the automatic updates. It's, it's really robust. I mean, you could turn off a computer and then turn it back on and it'll start up again. If the uh, if the, this computer gets heavy use, it stops downloading. But then when it's less used, it uses the spare bit I want to download. So basically, it pretty much will make sure that that file gets down, copied down that computer eventually. I mean, obviously if it's off, it won't do it immediately, but the next time the computer's turned on, it'll catch the files and co copy down it. So, it, I mean, it works really well. I've, we've never had a problem when we stick an image up and it doesn't get copied down for some reason. Sooner or later, it'll be get copied down. Um, like I mentioned, it uses spare bandwidth. So we're sitting there copying you know, gigabytes of data to these computers in the background, and the students using the computer for you know, Word or email or tech, browsing the web, they have no idea that it's happening because it's unnoticeable to the clients. Um, it uses all the standard web protocols, so you can pretty much use any web server. Um, I, right now I'm using Apache, and it's just, you don't have to use IS or anything, so whatever web server you want to use, it uses port 80, you don't have to worry about doing firewall stuff, so it makes it really handy. So then we switched to bits. Um, we had to move the images to a web server as opposed to the file servers where we had them. You download this bits admin script command from Microsoft. It's part of the, the Windows 2003 resource kit, I think, or, or the service pack 2. It's one of the Microsoft tools. I have the exact one. I created a Perl script to actually manage the bits process, which is you guys have in your handout and we'll show you later. And I set up, I use a, I could download a cron utility from the web to use it to automate it to run how I wanted to. We're going to go into a lot more detail all this stuff in a second, so we'll get there. And it ended up, it worked very, very well. Um, the images are transferred in the background, nobody notices, it's very reliable. We have, you, I could copy an Im a new image up to our web server and I could be confident that all the PCs in that lab will have that new image tomorrow morning. So you just stick it up there and you forget about it and it just works. Um, it's pretty much all automated. You don't have to do much at all. Like I mentioned, it's really fast because the PCs only have like 10 minutes of downtime when they image themselves from one partition to another. And it's really easy for me to manage the images. I just move them around on the web server, different directories, and put a new one up there and all the PCs will get that image tomorrow. So it's very handy. So I'm going to... So this is going to give you an overview about how I would create a new image so you get an idea of how, if you use something like this, you would go about doing it as well. So basically, um, what I would do is we have a restore user set up, which basically, if you log in as restore, the computer re-images itself. So the first thing I would do is I would log in as restore. That would switch to the FreeDOS partition, and then the computer will re-image itself. I do this first, just get back to the last known good, part, last known good image. So after it restores itself, that takes a little bit of time, um, you go ahead and you install all the software you want to install. You configure it, you run Microsoft updates, you new antivirus, you do whatever you would need to do to create a new image. Then I have a script in Windows called FreeDOS that would reboot to the FreeDOS partition. Um, so basically, when you, run, you run FreeDOS, it sets the FreeDOS partition is active, um, it cleans some event logs and some other cruft so that the image file doesn't have all that stuff that you don't want it to have. Um, since we use uh, manual IP addresses, I set the NIC to DHCP so all the computers in the lab don't boot up with the same IP address and complain. Um, eventually, it reboots the FreeDOS. So once it gets into FreeDOS, so you have your 
your Windows XP partition has all the software you need. It's all configured. So then you just an image dot bat batch file which you use, which creates the new image files on the pre-dos partition. Uh, this is really fast since it's just making a ghost image of the second partition. So it takes a little bit of time, maybe 15 minutes. So once you're done with that, you use a Windows batch file to go back to the Windows. And then I have another uh, script, upload, which copies that image file up to our web server. So that takes a little bit of time, copy it up. So once it's up to the web server, I can move it into place to basically have the web server set up so every lab has a folder on there. It's based on the lab name. So I would take that new image file and stick it in the directory of that lab name. Once that happens, all the other PCs will see it the next time they run bits, PL. So they would see the new image file, say, hey, he has a different date and time than the image file I have on my FreeDOS partition. So then it knows, oh, I need to start downloading it. So the PC sees it, bits says, okay, starts downloading. And then it starts downloading. So this is happening during the day, the computers are in use, and they're downloading the image in the, in the background. It generally takes mm, two, maybe three hours based on how big the image files are. But since the, all the PCs are in use this whole time, it doesn't really matter. I mean, people are using them, so but downloads. So eventually, you know, at the end of the day, PCs are turned off, hopefully. Um, and then, but the, we have all our PCs set to boot at 4 a.m. in the BIOS. So at that point, when they boot, since the new image has already been downloaded and the PCs are set to restore themselves, when they boot at 4 a.m., they boot to the FreeDOS partition, they restore themselves automatically using the new image, and then they reboot back into Windows, and then eventually we have them set to turn off at 5.30. So basically, you just put the file up there, and the next morning, all the computers in the lab have that new image on them, and you don't have to do really anything. You don't have to stay up late. You don't have to you know, set Ghostcast up and be there when the machines are off. It just happens automatically for you. So does that make some sense, the overview of how I would go about doing this? So it's been working very, very well for us. And now, trying to get a little bit more into the details, um, a lot of these details are also on the, there's a web page in your handout and then actually a copy of the bit script that we're using. So the details are in there too, so I'll describe it now and you can check it for further information afterwards if you want to check the website. Um, I'll talk a little bit about what we have in Windows, a little bit about what we have in FreeDOS. Um, some of the logic is circular because like the FreeDOS stuff sets stuff in Windows and the Windows sets stuff in FreeDOS. So some things might not make sense at the first time I talk about it, but a little bit later it'll make sense because you see, oh, that's where it gets set. So, because you know, they go back and forth. Okay, so in Windows, you have to download a couple of utilities and um, these are them. So BitsAdmin, I mentioned, you can get that from Microsoft. RoboCopy, you also get from Microsoft. Uh, GDIS32 comes with Ghost. Um, I just downloaded a, a free cron from the web. You probably can use the Windows uh, Task Manager, or not Task Manager, the autom Automated Scheduler, Task Scheduler. I'm a Unix background, so I get Unix tools. So, And then uh, I download Perl because same thing. I'm used to scripting in Perl, so that's what I wanted to use. And so the, the main action is in the bits.pl script. So in this, the third and fourth handout, pages of your handout actually have a copy of the script. 
with a couple things changed, so it has like a place to put your web server in, it goes to my web server, all of that's fun stuff. So basically, if we're, I'm going to talk about this a little bit, so you might be good to check it out. Um, we have bits set to run every half hour via cron. So every half hour, it starts up and does various things. Um, the first part of the script is a little bit of setup. It, you know, it uses, it gets some environment variables to figure out what lab it's in and what PC number it has. It has some configuration about what web server email address is. Um, the action really starts where it checks the status of the bit jobs, which is like line 39 through 77. So basically, it runs the bits admin command and it looks for the uh, CLM underscore image job. So every bits job has its own name. So it checks the status of that job. Um, and if you, you look in there, you can see the various statuses. There's um, on, the, on page two of the script, there's transferred and error. So if, it, if the status is transferred, which means that the, the image, new image files have been copied down, at that point, the bit scripts know that it needs to copy it to the FreeDOS partition. Um, I used to use move to copy it, but actually if you move gigabytes of file from one partition to the other partition, the little hard light, light on the computer lights up and it gets a little sluggish. So now I'm using RoboCopy because RoboCopy has a command switch for an inner packet gap, which basically slows down the copy, but it makes it so the clients don't actually notice a little, it makes it so it's unnoticeable. So. Um, so, if it's been transferred, it copies the FreeDOS partition, it sets a flag file so that later it knows that when it shuts down, it needs to set that, the FreeDOS partition active. Um, if the status of the bit job is an error, it says, uh-oh, something bad happened, and then cancels the, the bit job and then restarts it up again. Or if it's just been running, it just puts the status of the bit job. Um, if, the, if, it's not, if there's not an active job, it checks the web server for updated image files, which you can see goes from line 79 down to almost to the bottom. So basically what it does is it just checks the, the date and time of the file on the, on the web server and checks the date and time of the file on your FreeDOS partition. And if they're different, it says, uh-oh, I better start downloading a new uh, image. So it uses the bits admin to create a new bits jobs and then has some loops to go through and start copying down the Windows XP.exposed file, which is what I name it. I have a loop to go through and get all the .ghs files for the second and third and fourth and so far ghost files. And I also have readme.txt. So basically, it goes through, it sets up a bit's job to download all those files. And then it gets started. So if it would start this and then it would run again in another half hour and you see in the bits log, okay, it's downloaded this much. And so you see that a couple times, and eventually it's all transferred and it copies it over to the FreeDOS partition. Um, you might, at the end there, I have something where it would email you if it's copied down a new image file. Uh, I eventually turned that off because there were no problems, and so I was getting all this email and it was sort of useless. So. But you, if you start out and you just want to check it out, you might want to enable the email so you can make sure that it's actually working until you're confident about it. Does anybody, that was sort of a quick overview, but does anybody have any questions about what in general the bits.pl does? Okay. So that, that was the, that's the main thing. We have some other scripts that we had to change on the Windows side. Um, first off, in the startup script, I use it to set some environment variables based on the PC name. So our PC is named, you know, 
SLB 2020-35. So it would break that apart and say the lab name is SLB 2020 and the PC number is 35. So it basically sets those environment variables because those are used by BitsPL later. Um, I mentioned before that I, uh, we set all the NICs to DHCP before we make an image. So now it sets IP address if needed. So it says, oh, what should my IP address be? And then sets it. Um, it only happens, this only happens the first time after a re-image because it, it knows what IP address it needs. So we have to do that in the startup script. Um, we also modify the login script we have. So if somebody logs in as the restore, special restore user, it knows to set up a flag file, which would tell the computer to reboot, and tell the computer to re-image itself, and then reboots. So we use this so that our consultants on the lab, if they have to re-image the computer for any, any need, reason, they don't have to know anything special. All they have to know how to do is log in as restore, and it'll re-image itself. So it's handy. Then we also have to modify the, the shutdown script pretty extensively to make all this stuff work. Um, we set a couple flag files, which are, these flag files are set when a new image file is installed by bits.pl or if somebody logs in as, as restore. So basically that flag file is there. The, uh, the shutdown script knows it needs to run GDIS32 to set the FreeDOS partition as active. So basically that's what tells it to boot into FreeDOS versus Windows. Um, it also runs restore.pl, which is another Perl script that actually creates the restore file on the FreeDOS partition. But we'll talk about it, that on the next slide. Um, it also, if you do the FreeDOS command, this is the stuff I was talking about. It cleans up before imaging. It clears the event logs. It sets the NIC to DHCP. Um, I also have it set to use RoboCopy to copy the uh, files that are supposed to be in the FreeDOS partition over because obviously this FreeDOS is fat. There's no permissions or anything like that, so people go and futz with it. So at this point, I make sure that the files on the FreeDOS partition are the ones we want on the FreeDOS partition. Um, so the restore.pl, it runs in the shutdown script, and basically what this does, it, it creates a, an individualized restore batch file for every computer, because obviously we have one image file, but we want to make it unique for each computer. So the things it needs to set are the PC name and the SID. So basically, it uses the environment variables, the lab name and the PC number, and it creates a restore.bat on freedot, which is specific for each computer. I'll show you what that looks like in a couple more slides. And there, there's these, then we have a bunch of simple scripts like the FreeDOS one, which sets a flag file and, and then reboots into uh, FreeDOS. So then on the FreeDOS partition, we have a lot of other tools. So the utilities are you get all the stuff from Ghost. You get the Ghost, the Ghost Walker, and the G-Disk. Um, I found a wait command so you can press any key before we re-images itself, and then just a simple reboot command. And it's the scripts on the FreeDOS side, um, we set up the auto-execute.bat, so when it first turns on, it waits five seconds, and it says starting computer, and you have to hit something, a key there really quick, or else it'll re-image itself. So you, when you're trying to create a new image, you have to remember to hit a key, otherwise it'll restore itself to the old image, which is frustrating, very frustrating. But uh, so that, that waits a little bit, and if you don't hit anything, then it automatically starts the restore. And so this is what the restore.bat looks like. If you've done a scripting with uh, the ghost on the DOS side, you might recognize some of that. So basically, it runs ghost with the image file, 
and sticks it on the second partition and, and doesn't ask you for any prompts or anything. Uh, the ghost walker is a thing that is individualized by restored appeal on the Windows side. So it's, it sets the computer name to where the computer name should be, and it sets the SID to whatever that should be as well. So, so every every PC has a slightly different restore up bat based on its number PC number. Uh, so once it does the ghost walker to individualize the image on the computer, um, then it runs GDIS to set the Windows partition as active and reboots the computer. So basically, when it does a restore, basically it logs, it boots to the FreeDOS partition, iosq.bat waits a couple seconds for you to do anything. If you don't, it just runs a script, it re-images itself, and then it, at this point it reboots and then it goes back into the uh, Windows side. Um, so this is the script. If you hit the space bar when you go to FreeDOS... Are you generating the SIDs? Um, I'm copying them used from the computer. So you just keep the same one? Yeah. Um, or you could do a new SID. You could do a new one every time. But you could do whatever. Okay, so if you need to, if you need to boot to the FreeDOS side and make a new image, you would uh, you would boot, you would hit hit a key when it says you know starting computer, and then you could type an image to create a new image file. So this is this is a simple script. It deletes all the existing images in the images directory. And then it uses Ghost to create the, the new image files. So you would uh, do that. You run the image. It'll start making a new image for you. And you go grab a drink of coffee or whatever. Come back in 15 minutes. It should be done. And then once you're done with that, you can run the Windows bat, which is also on the FreeDOS side. And that just boots you back into Windows. So it sets the uh, Windows partition is active and reboots. And so once you do that, it goes back into Windows, does the stuff. And when you log on, there's an upload.command script, which is also you link from the website, which basically that copies the new image file up to the web server. Um, so we have the web server set up so it also does the Microsoft networking so you can map to it. Um, it copies it up to the lab name from the environment variable.new so you don't overwrite your old image file with your new one until you're sure it's all good. So then once it gets copied up, you have this lab name.new, you erase the old one, you change this to just lab name, and then all the PCs in the lab see it start downloading it, and then they have that new image tomorrow. So does that make any sense? <laughs> okay. So, so this all works very, very well for us. But the, one of the tricky things is you have to get it on the computers in the first place, which is actually one of the hardest problems we have. Um, right now, we're using a USB hard drive, which I assume everybody's seeing. So it has it's like 160 gigabytes. And so we have an image for each of our computers on the hard drive. Um, it also has FreeDOS on it. So basically, you can boot off this hard drive and then uh, uses Ghost to install an image with the FreeDOS partition on it with the Ghost tools and then an empty second partition. And it copies the image files you need to the FreeDOS partition. And then it, it creates a restore.bat on it, so you have to say what number is this computer. And then it reboots to the FreeDOS partition, and at that point, it starts ghosting itself. So this is how we sort of kickstart the process. I mean, once they have Windows on there, you can manage it all remotely, but to get it going in the first place, you actually have to go to each computer. Maybe somebody can netboot eventually, but we haven't gotten there yet. Um, we're also messing around with a, a Linux on a flash drive. So we, you can boot off that. It all recognizes everything. 
uh, you have to set up the network. Uh, but at that point, it could copy the, the image files down from the web server because it's on the network, which is handy because you don't have to have all the image files on the hard drive and keep them up to date. Um, it mostly works, but it's not ready for prime time yet, mostly because it appears that Ghost does funky partition tables. So if you have the partition, the image file up on the web server, when it comes down, it thinks the partition table is supposed to be different sizes than the one that Linux creates, and so it complains about the hard drive changes sizes. and So it's a little bit annoying, so we're working on that to try to figure out why the partition tables are strange. So we might end up having to just DD the first sector of the hard drive to grab the partition tables or something bizarre. But hopefully by the end of the summer, we'll have that figured out so we can switch to using the flash drive. And when we first started doing this, we were booting off floppy drives with uh, FreeDOS on them and connecting to the network. But uh, since there appears to be less and less vendors supplying DOS networking drivers with their NICs, I see they're right on the wall that we have to move away from this. So it still works, but it's not going to work for long. So we're trying to move to a better way to get the initial setup. But right now, the, um, the hard drive seems to be the simplest way to do it. And it's a little bit time consuming because you have to do it on each one. So that's why we're trying to do something where we can get it from the network. But we'll see. So if this sounds like something you might want to try after this talk, um, here's the things you will need. Obviously, you need a web server for the images. You need to partition your hard drives with two partitions. And then you need to figure out, to mess around with Ghost in the DOS version of Ghost, to figure out what your restore bat should have for your setup. Because um, right now, obviously, you're using Ghost, and it's doing something in the background that's it's hiding from you when you do the console and stuff like that. So you need to sort of figure out what it's actually doing and what Ghost command is running. Because once you know what that is, then you can basically replicate that on the FreeDOS partition, and it will work. Um, so once you figure out what is in your restore.bat and what it should have, um, and you can do this manually for a while, you know, you have two partitions, you can boot the FreeDOS and you edit it and say, okay, what should it do, and then try it and see if it works. Then you need to come up with a script that would automatically recreate that restore.bat. Um, so that's that restore.pl script. You need to come up with one that works for your environment. Um, everybody does ghosting a little bit differently, um, so the one I use might not work exactly for you, it should probably be close, but might not work exactly, depending on how you do your SID and your domains and all that fun stuff. But it's possible. Um, there are some other universities who do it differently, so they put things in and out of domains, and so they change it around a bit, but they did get it going. So, obviously I had too much coffee this morning since I talked too fast, but anyhow, for more information, there's the website, which you have a copy of, so it's there as well. You can always email me, any questions you may have. Or if you have questions now, you can ask them, and I'll try to answer them as best as I can. How do you handle the files that students leave on the computers? Well, we can't do that. Uh, the, the question was, how do you handle the files that students leave on computers? Um, we, right now, we have set up so they can pretty much only save files in their profile, and we delete their profile every morning. We tell them you have to bring a flash drive. Mostly because if they, if they leave files on the computer, there's very little chance that they will use that computer again in the near future. I mean, we, I mean, theoretically, you could set up something on the network, but since we have 30,000 students, we didn't go there. So basically, we tell people, 
have your flash drive and bring your files with you. What, or, yeah. Does that work with like a 60 gigabyte image? Our images are 60 gig. Yes, it, it would. It might take longer than a day. But um, they were using a Stanford with really big images, like you know, 30 gigabytes, and they said, you know, it eventually got there. And, and in that case, it would probably take overnight, so you, it, it would run, somebody would turn off the computer, but the bits is still, it knows about it, so when it turns back on again, it would start going again when it got, when it turned on, where it was left off, and so eventually, it would have the whole image file there, and it would copy it over the FreeDOS partition. Obviously, your FreeDOS partition would have to be a little bigger, too. <laughs> It would have to be is big enough to hold your image file and the ghost tools. Yeah, probably. Yeah, the the ghost stuff and the free stuff is small, a couple megabytes. So it's basically just the image file. But yeah, um, so you need to have big hard drives and all that stuff. But apparently you do. So there's the one back. No, uh, no, we haven't messed with defreeze. What we did instead is we just basically locked down our computers so everybody's a normal user and they only have right access to their profile and like a temp directory. So pretty much they can do whatever they want with their profile, but as I said, since the profiles were deleted every morning, they don't, we haven't tried defreeze. We wanted to go cheap. But but theoretically, I mean, I mean defreeze allows you to do Microsoft updates, right? So it'd be this pretty much the same mechanism. So you, you would have to set it up so that it stores. I'm not sure exactly how, but theoretically it's possible. I mean, if I know they have bits in it. I haven't tested it, but uh, but uh, theoretically it should work the same way. I mean, because you can you can ghost them, right? So if as long as the you can do it from the the DOS based ghost tools, it should work. I mean, bits I'm in is I, I checked it was available with those versions of Windows, so I will be trying it soon. <laughs> but uh, theoretically, I mean. It's, since it's using stuff that Microsoft is using for a lot of their inter their patching, I, I assume it's going to stay around for a long time. At least that's my hope. Any other questions? Well, great. I hope you found that useful and informative. Uh, like I said, the uh, the website has links to a lot of the scripts and stuff, so you can probably, if you're interested, you should check that out. And I hope everybody has a good rest of their conference. Thank you.